The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Hope you had a lovely Valentine's Day weekend. Hope you went out to dinner with your wife. She read your tweets about not going out to dinner, and mm. you're pretty penny. Or maybe, maybe you ended up canceling dinner on Saturday and staying at home anyway. Who knows? It's a mock draft Monday coming up. Uh, shortly, we will break down some AFC East team needs, take a look at the Pats, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets, of course. Uh, but to look at the mock draft for tomorrow, the man who inked the mock draft, as he does every Monday, Ryan Wilson. Ryan, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey. There it is. And uh, joining us now for the first time, excited to have him on, draft expert Josh Edwards at J. Edward CBS. We need to work on that. We need to, you need to add Edwards. Brad Edwards CBS. What do you think about that? I was going for like the J. Edgar thing, you know, from history. So I was going for that initially, but I do, I do understand. I get that a lot. So I understand. Well, but see, you also have like, so like, I don't know if they still do, like, how old are you, Josh? 29. Be 30 this year. Okay. You're, you're old enough where it would be the same sort of demographic thing. But like, when I started at college and, and when I got my first email address, it was always first, first it was R.W. Brinso. It's like always my, like my, you know, cause like, First name, middle name, and then like the first five letters of your last name. Ryan, I assume you were, uh, P, what were you? P, F, Wilso? PR, I don't know where the F is from. Oh, but PR Wilso, yeah. This is how old I am. Uh, when I was in college in the mid nineties, we actually had to take a class on how to use email. Yeah, us too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that was, uh, by the way, quickly before we go on, uh, your mention of Valentine's Day reminded me of something. And Josh seems like he's probably like a, a meat eater, a, a barbecue guy. You know what I tried for the first time? This weekend? Um, I, uh, burnt ends? You get 50 guesses. Okay, go. That's one. No. Uh, ribs? The, the impossible. No, come on. Stop it. I'll just slap you. I've had grits. I love grits. I never had a poke bowl until you got, until I told you to try one. You said grits, though. I said ribs. Oh, stop. That's even worse. <laughs> I had the impossible burger. Have you guys either you had the impossible burger? Oh, you mean like the, the vegan burger from Burger King? It's uh, it's a company. It's not Burger King. Isn't the originator of it? But I, I um, I didn't even know anything about this. Do you know what this is, Josh? No, I've never heard of it. So me either. And I, I my twelve year old showed me this video about the Impossible Burger. So play this is, What's that? Are you getting paid for this? No, but I tried it. I mean, I'm gonna, I, and it's not a great review. But I was intrigued because I saw. I said, like, Oh, this looks just like meat. It sizzles just like meat. It smells just like meat when you cook it. But it's made entirely from plants. 
So, um, got it. It's insanely expensive. So if a pound of uh, ground beef at the grocery store costs four dollars, what do you think a pound of or, or three quarters of a pound of the Impossible Burger costs? Oh, uh, nine dollars. Nine bucks. Well done. So Ooh. bought thirty dollars worth of that and uh, grilled it up, and uh, it ain't as good as hamburgers. It was like if I didn't have the expectations going in, I would have loved it. But um, I think the expectations are too high. It's still interesting and better than veggie burgers that we used to have at Bennigan's or wherever 15 years ago. But that's what I did for Valentine's Day. That's my point. Uh, need some work, but it's a good start in Possible Burger, people. So just to be clear, you bought your wife a bunch of vegan burgers and cooked them on the grill. You bought your wife $30 worth of vegan burgers and cooked them on the grill for, for Valentine's Day. You can't grill them because they'll fall through the grill, so you have to sear them on the pan. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's to cook them inside. Uh, Josh, anything exciting from your weekend Slash Valentine's Day. I don't want to pre, we don't, we don't know each other well enough for me to presuppose that you had great Valentine's Day plans. Uh, but I am curious if you had anything fun happen to you this weekend. No, so I did have a first this weekend. I had a, I got a sous vide for Christmas. Ooh, so I finally nice. started, yeah, started experimenting with that. It was, uh, cooked a steak for me and the wife this weekend. Uh, it was, it was all right. I'm, I'm going to need some practice with it, but it was pretty good. All right. So how long have you been married now? Since August. Oh, 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 oh. Your wife's already, and your wife's already down with the, uh, cook a steak at home. You landed yourself a good one. Congratulations. That's right. Yeah. I had to get in trouble over a bunch of stuff before I could, uh, eventually we decided, you know what? We don't want to go out on Saturday. We cooked out on Friday, decided we didn't want to go out. We watched, uh, Parasite. My wife loved it. Um, and then, uh, and then Saturday. Very um, romantic. It's a great movie. We're going to go out on, we're going to go out on Saturday and, uh, and you got to the point where like, you know what? I don't really feel like getting ready going out. Let's just, let's just do postmates. We'll hang out here, drink some wine. Nice little, uh, nice little Saturday evening. Fell asleep on the couch watching community show together. So it was exciting. Um, this is what you have to look forward to in, uh, in, in the, in the, in the, in the preceding six years of marriage. Mock draft Monday. Anyway. Oh, and by the way, shout out to, uh, podcast listener James Marks. Got to have a beer with him. He, uh, you've heard me mention it before. He works at, uh, Brewdog. If you like Brewdog stuff, uh, they're about to drop in Raleigh. They're going to open, they're going to be all over the place. You can get total, like, uh, and I've got, I'm going to drink at some point in this, a, uh, a Hazy Jane, uh, New England style IPA that's delicious. They're going to have the Elvis juice, uh, mixed packs all over Raleigh. So you should check those out. Highly recommend Brewdog's IPAs. Who is that? James? James, yes. James, in, in the future, when you meet with Brenton, please be done so we can get home by 4 o'clock so we can do this podcast on time. Because I was up in my office at 4.01. I don't want to hear that nonsense. He was late, James. That's all They're going to a Hurricanes game. I'm skipping the, hur- the hockey game to do this podcast to you To guys. do your job. Okay, well done. Do my job. That is right. I'm skipping the hockey game to do my job. Okay, Ryan, uh, you did not have Odell Beckham being traded to the Patriots <laughs> in your first <laughs> draft. I did that. What did you think about my, my troll level there? Uh, pretty good. I'm glad I preempted you last week with my trades because I, 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 it sort of cushioned the blow. I was interested. Uh, was it just a, you didn't mention it? I don't think in the actual mock draft. Just a trade of the first round pick, the 23rd pick, solely for Odell Beckham. Yeah, straight up Odell Beckham for the 23rd pick. Uh, the idea being the Patriots need some an influx of explosive wide receiver play to make Tom Brady happy. Uh, the Browns are trying to get rid of him and, and would love a, a first round pick back. And I think they got a wide receiver. He's like Henry Ruggs or somebody there. I uh, <laughs> think that think that works, Josh, in terms of value. Yeah, considering what Odell Beckham Jr. did for the Browns last year, I think that is a pretty fair return. It was actually funny that you that you mentioned that because uh, I don't know you guys that well, but I listen to the podcast pretty regularly. I knew that Ryan has been talking about an OBJ trade to the Patriots for quite some time. I was looking at the mock draft. I was like, man, that, he did that out of spite to Ryan. I know 100% that was directed <laughs> towards Ryan. So 
Uh, I appreciate the next level troll there. That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's funny you, you say I, that, Josh, because you write, Brinson, in the actual blurb for Henry Ruggs going 23rd to the Browns. Again, comma, spite all capital words. Most people think you're talking about the Patriots. You're talking about me. Uh, no, if you read the whole mock draft, you would know that, that a lot of times these teams who switch, like, trade players for the pick, that you see in those, like, like, like you could tell John Gruden was gonna draft a pass rusher with one of his Cleo Mack picks. Like, he was just gonna do it because he wants Cleveland Farrell to be better than, Kyle, uh, you know, Cleo Mack. Good luck with that, but he, you know, he's gonna try his damnedest to make it happen. Um, in your latest mock draft, there's also a trade as well. The Miami Dolphins. You did, I think you did this last week. They come back up to number two. They trade with the Washington, or maybe you had to go to three. Either way, they traded with the Washington Redskins. Redskins get five, 18, and 39, and the Dolphins get number two. Josh, I will ask you first. Five, 18, 39 for number two and the rights to take Tua Tung, Tungavailoa. Got it right since last week. Not bad. Uh, what do you think? Fair deal or not fair? I think it is all about what you value. I think Ron Rivera, who is a guy that is very familiar with coaching Julius Peppers understands the value of having a transcendent pass rusher. So the idea of passing on Chase Young is probably not too appealing to him. Um, so it's all about what you want, because if you consider this same trade last year, would you have done it for Nick Bosa? You know, with, with what we saw from Nick Bosa this past year, everything that he was able to do for that 49ers defense, um, would you take his talents off the team for what we get in return I don't know. I think Chase Young is a is a pretty special player. I would be hard pressed to stay put at number two overall, but I think in terms of straight value for this pick, it's a pretty fair deal if that's what your end goal is. Um, if you're picking this early in the draft, you've obviously got a lot of needs, uh, so that is definitely an argument for this trade because three picks instead of one is going to fill a lot more needs than Chase Young. Chase Young is more of a, a, a long-term pick because you know what you're going to get with him. Well, uh, Ryan, I'll ask you this, and I'll, I'll ask you. It, this works out very nicely. Uh, but if you had gone back and done it last year, as Josh mentioned, so you would trade Nick Bosa, the number two overall pick. You would trade him for number five. That would be Devin White, very good player for the Buccaneers at LSU. You would trade him for number 18. That would be Garrett Bradbury for the Minnesota, for a, uh, a center out of NC State. And then uh, number 39, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, Central, Mich- Central Michigan cornerback. Would you do that for Nick Bosa? And and or if you prefer, would you do Chase Young for Isaiah Simmons, Henry Ruggs the third, and uh, TBD at number thirty nine when we get to your second round? Yeah, no, I think Josh is being kind because if you go back and look at the RG three trade, they gave up a lot more. The the Redskins did. I think it was three first round picks and a second round pick, but this still exceeds in terms of compensation and by a pretty large margin what uh, Rich Hill's trade value chart does. I didn't do so hot with that last week, so I upped it. Well, just for people to know, who are maybe listening for the first time, Rich Hill of Pat's Pulpit put together a new trade value based on trades that have occurred the last few years. Uh, it is, you know, people still kind of look at the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart, but that's probably out of date, uh, ever since the new CBA kicked in because we value these draft picks differently. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So I think that, um, and sort of to, to what Josh was getting at, if the Dolphins really do want to, uh, um, they may have to pay more than, than that. They may have to pay the three first round picks. Mm. Uh, I don't think I would do that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and Ron Rivera is a defensive guy. We know he loves, or there's an indication that he really likes Chase Young. But I do think the Redskins suck. And if you do want to get better, you get better with one Chase Young or get better with three or four draft picks in the first 50 picks or whatever. And, and that's a conversation you need to have, especially since last year 
You drafted Montez Sweat. You have Ryan Kerrigan for another year and, and needs literally everywhere else. Well, and I would say, too, that um, when you look at what happens when you use three first-round picks, just from a – if you're somebody like Ron Rivera who's taken over the Redskins job and you're answering to Dan Snyder at the end of the day – you know, you're going to get a lot of positive press when you come out of a draft with three first round picks, regardless really of who you take. For instance, the Oakland Raiders took Cleveland Farrell at number four ahead of Josh Allen, a, a pick that many people, uh, questioned and understandably so. Josh Allen had a better year than Cleveland Farrell. That, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but the point being is that it's, people, it's here and there. I mean, it's, it's, it's here. Well, but I mean, like, all I'm saying is that people at the time, the second it happened, people were like, what? You took Cleveland Farrell fourth overall? That's insanity. Um, yeah. then they, then they came back and took Josh Jacobs 24th overall and Jonathan Abram 27th overall. Abram didn't play much of the season. Farrell didn't have a huge impact. Jacobs was really good, but he's still a running back. And despite all those things, the Raiders have still been praised widely for we their draft. What's that? Your boy Hunter Renfro, who Josh, as you yeah. may recall, I call Will Brinson's younger brother in terms of the way they look. And also, Max Crosby had a better year as a pass rusher than Cleveland Farrell did. And they got him in the fourth or fifth round or whenever. So their day three picks, they actually crushed the draft. And you could argue their worst pick was their first one. But they did a really good job. So I think, are they better off than they were without Khalil Mack? Maybe. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to Derek Carr more than anything else. So I think when you look at these trades in hindsight, it's – it's easy because we know what those players were after a year now. But you have to put yourself in the position of Washington um, with those three first-round picks. Do you feel like Washington has the, the decision-makers, the leadership to be able to make the most out of those picks? Because if you don't, there's no point in trading down. Chase Young is a guy that you kind of know what you get. If you're taking those other picks, you better be pretty confident in your ability to evaluate and identify talent. And related news, the Redskins do not have a general manager. I think they do. They just haven't announced it. I think they're doing the thing where they wait till after the draft. Who is it? Um, oh, it's, uh, it's their assistant. Um, he's currently their assistant GM. It's Kyle Smith, right? He's their, I think the title is assistant GM. I can't find it. What he's, uh, is it, is it Roos Brallon by any chance? <laughs> Roos Brown. No, Kyle Smith, uh, VP of player personnel right now. The expectation, my understanding is that what they might do after the draft is promote him officially to GM. And the logic there is that at, if you do it after the draft, A, you're sort of resetting your scouting department. You allow him to take over completely. But B, this is the old, uh, the old, um, oh God, who was it before Doug Whaley? Uh, oh, the old time. God, what was his, how am I forgetting his name? Um, you're an old timer. Seriously, I'm, uh, I'll remember in just a second. Um, at any rate, he, uh, he, he, like he, Doug Whaley was given the opportunity to not get, have the, uh, oh, Buddy Nix. He was given the opportunity. Buddy Nix was like, yep, this is my last draft and I'm stepping down. He's like, I love EJ Mandel. That's why we took him in the first round. And then like immediately after the draft, someone was like, Hey, uh, now Doug is uh, EJ Mandel your guy. He's like, Oh yeah, that's my pick. It's like, what are you doing? You can lay the blame for this first round bust at the feet of Buddy Nix. If it goes wrong, you maniac, you've lost your sensibility here. Anyway, so I think that might be what okay. they're doing. So they have a general manager, quote unquote, but to Josh's point. Do you trust them to make more than one pick in the first round and get it right? Uh, if it's Ron Rivera and, and those guys doing it, yeah. As long as, as long as you're, uh, uh, Ballon, Ballon Arus, whatever, whatever fake you want. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not him, I think you, I think you can trust him to do it. And, um, I like the idea of trading down if you're the Redskins. If you can get this kind of haul or more, three, I mean, three picks in the top 50, 
in exchange for number two. To me, that's worth it, especially because in this particular scenario, they go down and get Isaiah Simmons. Um, and then, as we mentioned, Henry Ruggs the third at number 18. Honestly, I would take Simmons and Ruggs, the combo, over uh, Chase Young. What about you guys? What do you think, Josh? I think that's tough. Obviously, I love the talents. Uh, Ruggs is going to be one of the guys that, that pops off the charts at the NFL Combine because of his speed. I don't think he gets enough credit for his route running and some of the other you know, technique that he brings to the table. Isaiah Simmons is a guy that I wrote about for, for CBS Sports. I mean, you can play him at any position, whether it's safety, any of the linebacker positions. Um, I think he's grown tremendously as a pass rusher. He's fantastic in coverage. I think he's the best pure open field tackler out of anybody in this class. I think he's a, a fantastic player. Um, so that would be it – w- it would make it tough to, to, to pass on those two players – um, for Chase Young being being just the single player. But at the same time, we're kind of looking at these guys now, what they do well. We don't know if they're going to pan out in the NFL. Um, you know, you, you talked about that scenario a little bit ago with some of those guys that were, you know, would have been in this position last year, and they didn't have the best rookie seasons. So it's a bit of a gamble. I, I, I get it. I think Simmons is a guy that would excel in Ron Rivera's defense. Uh, but at the same time, I would still have a hard time passing on Chase Young. By the way, I was talking to our buddy um God, what's our buddy's name? Um Big Shooter. God, I can't believe what's his name? Chad Good Lord, I forgot Chad Dick's name. I, was talking, face. I don't know, it's laughing Dick's face. I was talking to him last week about exactly the Chase Young thing, and I sort of basically said what Josh just said. I I would take Chase Young, it's a layup, you can't get fired for doing it, and he's gonna be really good. Especially if you think he's gonna be like Nick Bosa and gets nine or ten sacks next year. Is that something worth trading up? trading down from at number two, and he was all in as a Redskins fan, trading down just about no matter what for the reasons I, we're talking about. Stockpile picks, yeah. make the team better. You're not going to win with one just one player next year, so on and so forth. I think the concern for Redskin, or the Redskins and Redskins fans might be that they want to get the RG3 compensation in a trade, and I just don't know that that's, that full deal is going to happen. Like I just don't think anybody is is, frankly, dumb enough to do it. Um, in the future. Hey, should the Lions consider trading up to number two to get Tua? Not unless Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn want to get fired immediately. They have one year left. What, <laughs> what is getting Tua going to fix in one year? Uh, That's exactly my point, too. I think I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on this in my head. I hear trade Matthew Stafford or get rid of him, and I look at his dead cap, and I know that's not possible. So then I consider, well, maybe you keep Matthew Stafford for a year, allow Tua to kind of redshirt and then take over the following year. But if you're Bob Quinn, if you're Matt Patricia, are you guaranteed 2021 if you had that conversation with ownership that they're going to bring you back if you're willing to move up and take a quarterback? I don't think that's happened. I don't, I don't think that conversation has ever occurred or will ever occur. So I would be hard-pressed to take a quarterback at this point in time over a guy that I know is going to help be able to to impact my team in 2020. Uh, worth noting that uh... – Mike Florio wrote on Sunday afternoon that a Matthew Stafford trade, that the numbers are uh, on spot track and over the cap are actually wrong, apparently, um, that the uh, instead the cash payout is $21.5 million, the cap number $21.3 million, and the dead cap money if Stafford would be traded for 2020 is $24.8 million. Does that uh, mean that's $10 million better than the $34 million, but is that still worth it? Right, exactly. Like, are you really going to take uh, 20 – like, are you really going to deal with a $25 million cap charge when 
you know, if you wanted to, you could probably cut him next year and save 14 million with only nine, 19 million against cap or wait till after his 33 year old season. Like it's, I mean, if you want to take Tua and, and ride out with Stafford, I don't mind the red shirt idea, but it, I agree with you. Like it doesn't seem like something that the Lions, this is the problem with NFL teams. It happens all the time. You have competing interest from the ownership level to the GM level to the coach level. Like Bob Quinn could end up firing Matt Patricia. I don't think that'll happen. But I think they would both be a package deal. Like you're either here, you're either in or you're out. But like if they stink next year, it doesn't matter if they drafted two a third overall. They're right. both getting fired. And then somebody else is going to develop two, which is a bad way to do business. But it's also on, you know, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia for not being as good as, as, as Jim Caldwell. Um, you have them taking Chase Young in this scenario, Ryan. Uh, and then Jedrick Wills. Is it Jedrick Wills or Jedrick Willis? Wills. Wills. You know, I know some people named Wills, first name Wills. What do you think about that? I don't like it. I can't stand it. It's a slap in the face to like actual wills like myself, a will like myself. Yeah, what happens if you're standing next to two wills? Right. Like it'd be fine if you're twins and you both name them both Will and they're wills. That would be fine, but yes. Right. I mean, it would be right, right, right. Wills. Yeah, It'd be something you see at your country club, but that, you know. that is that is not. Yeah, for perspective, does it sound right when you say Ryan's or Josh's? No, no, not at all. Not for a first name. And Ryan's, I must feel like you would have some sort of like. Would you go? Is it? I guess R Y A N S. Josh's, you actually have to throw an E in there. So it's a whole, whole, whole separate set set of problems. By the way, uh, we know Josh covers Kentucky sports, but we don't know which team he's a fan of. You're not a Bengals fan, are you? I'm not a Bengals fan. I live outside of Cincinnati, so I get that perspective quite a bit. Um, I'm almost, I'm almost hesitant to tell you guys who I root for because that opens me up to a whole new world of criticism. Um, I am a long tortured Browns fan. Uh Oh, ouch. Yeah. Uh, That would be the other team in Ohio. What, uh, what are your thoughts before we get to the Browns thing? What are your thoughts on, um, Cincinnati chili? So I'm a big fan of Skyline. Um, I know, I know it's a very polarizing subject. (laughs) But what I have heard, what I have heard for people that are in the Cincinnati area, the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, um, there's this big conversation between Skyline and Gold Star Chili, and it basically boils down to which one you try first. If you try Gold Star first, you're going to be a Gold Star person for the rest of your life. If you try Skyline first, you're going to be a Skyline person for the rest of your life. So that's what I've always heard. I know the sweetness that's in the chili is not for everybody, but it's it's something that you know I've, I've grown to love. All right, fair enough. Um, what did you think about the idea of the Browns trading Odell Beckham? Then <laughs> mentioned it off top, but I'm curious, like from a fan perspective, like a as a as a long suffering Browns fan, would you be down with that? I'm also hesitant to say this. Um, I, I did write like a step by step how to fix the Browns earlier this year, and I almost included trade Odell Beckham Jr. simply because Kevin Stefanski wants to employ the Kyle Shanahan Gary Kubiak style offense. Um, you know, run, go through your running back and set up the pass that way. How does that fit with two wide receivers that are making over 15 million a year? I don't think that's a good way to build your, your salary cap. Um, I certainly understand that OBJ is a fantastic player, but if you are focused on running your offense, offense through the ground game, then maybe those assets that you could get in return for OBJ might help you in other areas on this team. They need a lot of pass rushers. They need offensive tackles, as we saw last year. And I, I know we'll talk about that a little bit later. But well, actually, we're I think talk about it right now. Uh, oh. we saw, no, no, I mean, no, you're, you, you segue for it brilliantly. Uh, yeah, let me interrupt quickly, though. I have one, I have one quick question. Yeah. So, as uh, the resident Browns homer, and knowing that Breach is a resident Bengals homer, who, which team do you think has the better 
three-year window going forward? Like, what's this team going to look like three years? Who's going to be in better shape? Who wins more games of the next three years? Thank you. So Breach and I were, uh, we were, we were kind of born rivals anyway, because I went to Ohio University. He went to Miami, Ohio. So we've got this rivalry, uh, with our college teams. And now we've got this rivalry with our NFL teams as well. So, uh, interesting dynamic there. But I think the Browns have a better window. I think they've got more talent right now. Obviously the salary cap is something they're going to have to balance in the coming years with Miles Garrett coming due for a new contract. Um, I think they're probably going to move on from David and Joku at some point, but Joe Schobert, the inside linebacker, is a guy that could get a big deal if they decide to keep him around. Um, Cincinnati, I think they, they've just been so stubborn over the years. I think if they had made some moves at the NFL trade deadline, um, to kind of piece out some of those valuable defensive assets that they had, they would be in a much better position to make a run in the coming years. Right now, I think they've got a lot of aged assets on their roster. And it's not going to benefit them in the coming years. Mm. Uh, what did you think about Wilson giving your Browns or the Browns? Uh, is it, how do we say it? Mackie Becton? Is that right? Mackie Becton. Mackie Becton. That's it. That, that rolls off the tongue. Mackie Becton. The, uh, the, uh, dancing ballerina. So what do we call him? No, uh, the dancing bear. Dancing bear. The dancing bear. <laughs> dancing Ballerinas bear. do dance though. You're right. The ballerina bear out of Louisville. <laughs> Yeah, so offensive tackle is, is clearly the biggest need for Cleveland this offseason. Um, so I think that's, you know, a perfectly good fit. They're going to use their zone blocking scheme. So I think Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, Makai Becton from Louisville, I think those are two guys that probably fit that pretty well because they're big and they're athletic, and, and that's kind of what you're looking for in that scheme. So I generally lean towards one of those two players in my own mock drafts. Um, I think I had worse in this past weeks, actually. So I think that was a that was a fantastic pick from mine. Mm. Right, right. There you go. You passed at least one test. Congratulations. Um, let's uh, let's look at the Panthers and the Chargers. So Philip Rivers, as we know from our Valentine's Day slash divorce Chargers divorce episode from last week, uh, gone in Los Angeles. You have the Chargers at number six, Ryan, taking Justin Herbert. And the Panthers taking Derek Brown. Uh, do you think that there is a chance? Let's say the Dolphins move up to number two and the Redskins fall to five. Is there any chance the Redskins, because you think you had the Lions trading back twice. Could you see the Redskins trading back again, maybe with the Panthers? Like, who do you think is more likely to make a move for Justin Herbert, the Chargers or the Panthers? Well, I think, I don't know if it was Breach that discovered this, but someone discovered that the Chargers don't trade up. So uh, RJ, I think. Okay, maybe it was RJ. Yeah. But um, last week, right. So I don't think that why would they suddenly change the, the way they change their spots? Uh, the same exact Dave Gettleman, is he going to suddenly start trading around the draft board? Probably not, um, unless he's banging on the keyboard with all the, the computer nerds he's since hired. So I feel like if the Panthers are indeed interested in a quarterback, and we don't know, again, Dave Tepper said last week he does he's not a doctor and he doesn't know how healthy Cam Newton's going to be. And your theory that they're tanking, uh, I don't know if you get a quarterback this year if you're, if you're tanking, but uh, you roll with Kyle Allen and Will Greer, and that will guarantee you two wins. So, yeah, I mean, if, if Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady like one of these quarterbacks, maybe they do move up for them. But how far and how much do you want to give up? We just talked about teams trading back because they need to fix roster spots. I mean, the Panthers are the perfect example of that. They don't have a tight end now. Uh, Luke Kuechly had to retire, and they don't know about their quarterback situation. So trading up might be the you know the opposite of what they need to do right now. Josh, what are your thoughts on uh, Justin Herbert since we haven't talked about this? Ryan doesn't really like him. I don't really like him. We both think he's going to end up going high. Uh, curious if you like Justin Herbert. 
So I'm not the biggest Justin Herbert fan. I will, in defense of him, I will say that the Oregon offense was probably not best suited to his skill set, mm-hmm. um, which is why he would have experience in that kind of offense if he went to Carolina, because I think Carolina probably wants to do a little bit of that with, uh, you know, this coming season, Christian McCaffrey guy that can catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. But um, in the past, Matt Rule has rolled his quarterbacks out quite a bit. He likes that motion kind of offense. Um, I think that is a possible match there. But if you're asking me simply the talent, um, Justin Herbert was too inconsistent for me. Uh, you know, there was too many inaccuracies. And there's one play that kind of sticks in my head. I cannot get over that week one game against Auburn when the time was running out at the end of regulation, he's got to put the ball in the end zone and he threw it through the end zone out of bounds. Didn't even give his receiver a chance uh, to make a play on the ball there. I, you know, I, I just, I can't get over that play. So I'm kind of curious from Ryan's perspective, now that he's kind of seen it, seen him participate at the Reese's senior bowl, how do you kind of weigh what we see on film from him versus what you saw at the Reese's Senior Bowl, is, is he kind of changing your mind in terms of how you view him? Well, and let's be clear here. Ryan talked to Justin Herbert in person, which means that Ryan, Ryan's like, he's a really nice guy. Now it's like totally changed. He's like, I, I think he's like my top 10 prospect. <laughs> now that, that week one throw against Auburn, uh, I have flashbacks about that too. At the time I was sort of laughing because it was like the most Justin Herbert thing ever coming off that inconsistent 2018 season. But um, he played mostly down in 2019. His one good game, or his best game at least, was a USC game. In that game, he started off incredibly slowly in the first quarter. And I did talk to him about that at the Senior Bowl, and he, he said, yeah, I, I didn't play well, but I, I wanted the, the season to sort of go like the rest of those three quarters did against USC. Um, but again, he lost to Arizona State, who started a freshman quarterback, and I think they had lost five straight games coming into that matchup. And you just wonder, how does that translate? And to Josh's point, um, yes, the offense that Mario Cristobal ran was ill-fitting for, for Justin Herbert. Uh, and he looked great in those three practices at the Senior Bowl, and he had a good first quarter when he played at the Senior Bowl and won MVP. And I think that, and I've talked to people about this, people do fall in love with players when they see them in person. He's 6'6", 238, can throw the ball forever, and he did a really good job of, of sort of doing all those things, showcasing all those things at the Senior Bowl. And the other thing he said to me what, when I said, you know, what did teams want to see from you this week when I spoke with him, it wasn't anything about arm strength or footwork. It was leadership. And I think that's been a recurring theme with him throughout his career at Oregon as well. Um, and he seemed to check those boxes. All that said, I think he is a second-round talent. Knowing that, he will go in the top 15 because demand outstrips supply when it comes to quarterbacks. And I would not, under any circumstances, put him on the field as a rookie. It would just be a, an idiotic idea because he's going to have to learn a new system when he hasn't played in before because they're not going to run the same system as he did in Oregon, I would imagine, where he ends up. And he's just not ready. I don't think he's ready to, to handle that that sort of workload. So we'll see what happens, whether that happens. Uh, I don't know, but um, I wouldn't take him top 15. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll rip through the AFC East draft needs. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so the AFC East, a total wild card when it comes to the NFL draft. Uh, right now, we don't know. Well, we don't know what anybody's going to do because free agency hadn't happened. But, I mean, like, when you look at the AFC East, you're talking about a situation where, you know, I mean, look, let's dive right in. Patriots, uh, Patriots, pretty important. We don't know what they're going to be doing, Josh and Ryan, based on Tom Brady's situation. What, uh, assuming, Ryan, when you put, like, when you start thinking about needs and stuff like that, uh, do you operate under the assumption, under the assumption that they will have Tom Brady until, uh, until further notice? Not, not really. I've done a few mock drafts where they've drafted a quarterback. Not that the quarterback's going to start immediately. Um, they took Jared Stidham last year, and all we know about him is that um, the one time he got to play, they benched him because he threw a pick six, and they brought Brady back into the game. I can't envision a situation where they think they're going to be a good football team without Tom Brady because I don't know what plan B would be, and I'm sure they're working behind the scenes on that. So quarterback's a need for now. We'll figure out how, how serious the need. But obviously wide receiver is the number one need. And tight end is probably the number two need if you're not talking about the quarterback situation, and Tom Brady would certainly attest to that. And if they're not going to get a wide receiver and tight end, the Tom Brady very well may have played his last game in New England because he probably doesn't want to come back and throw the ball to a bunch of guys who can't catch and get open. How about you, Josh? What do you look at for the Patriots in terms of need? Yeah, I think you have to consider edge rusher as well because Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins are both scheduled to hit free agency this year. Um, Collins, he's seen the market. He knows what it looks like. I'm not sure that he – is willing to leave the comfort of New England, so I kind of see him returning. But Kyle Van Noy is a guy that has seen his value kind of increase since he rejoined New England. So I could see him possibly testing the market and maybe seeing a team like Tennessee, Miami, Detroit, some of those teams with with uh, the former Patriots lineage make a run at him in free agency, in, in which case you might have to, to target an edge rusher. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we talked about that too on the pod. Like it's, I think we talked about it here. But um, – you know, the fact that all these teams have Patriots guys running the organization, whether it's the Titans or the, you know, the Lions, et cetera, like a guy like Kyle Van Noy is going to be more sought after in the market than he might otherwise be. How do you think, I mean, Ryan, do you think there's a chance that the Patriots will, you know, throw caution to the wind and quit operating like they have for years and just go all in on 2020, like trade for Odo Beckham, you know, draft guys who can make an impact right away, et cetera, trade picks for veterans, uh, or do you think that they'll, I mean, again, like it depends on what happens with Tom Brady, obviously, but do you think there's a chance that they change up their philosophy heading into this draft if they re-sign Tom Brady? Well, I think they just re-signed Nick Casario, their personnel guy. Um, but unless Bill Belichick plans on retiring, like in a year or something, he just wants to go balls to the wall and, and win one last one to make it seven, I think it's steady as she goes, the, the same old, same old that's worked for them literally every single year, except 2008, I think, when the Dolphins, that was the one year the Dolphins won the division. Um, there's no reason to so change. So don't have Tom Brady tear his ACL is what you're saying. Exactly. And even if you're the same the same uh, team personnel-wise in terms of productivity next year as the 2020 Patriots, you're going to win the division. You're going to win it by three or four games or whatever. So there's no reason to, to overreact. I don't think that the, another team in the AFC East, including the Bills, who I like a lot, are going to suddenly flip a switch and, and win 12 games and, and put the Patriots on notice. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, you have them taking Xavier McKinney, safety. Why? Well, you remember we talked to the McCourty, tw- McCourty twins at uh, at the Super Bowl, and they were a lot of fun to talk to, but Devin is a free agent. He's 32 years old. He's coming off a huge deal. I think it's five-year, $47 million. 
And I don't know if the Patriots want to pay him that much, but he is a ball hawk. He had five picks last year, and he's sort of the, the captain of the back end of that defense. Um, I would imagine they, they value him very much, but not to the point where they have to pay him like what he wants to be paid, so he may be moving on, and then you, you need someone to play center field. And Xavier Kinney's a, a really good safety. He's very versatile. He can play near the line of scrimmage, can play deep. And uh, he's an Alabama guy. And as you may have heard, Nick Saban and, and Bill Belichick are buddies. Uh, Josh, the Miami Dolphins have lots of picks. 5, 18, 26, 39, 56, and 70. Six picks all in the top 100. If you were the Miami Dolphins, would you be in the business of, A, trying to move up to get your quarterback, as as they had uh, Ryan doing in this latest mock draft, or, B, sitting back and maybe even trading back, like trying to collect as many players from this draft as, as you could? I guess that's sort of a not just an organizational philosophy question, but also a you know a draft overall draft question. Like, do you think this draft is deep enough where you want to have a bunch of later picks, et cetera? I think it's a I think it's a decently deep deep draft. I think you could get good value into day three. Um, at the same time, the quarterback position rules all. So if you don't have a quarterback, you better be trying to move up to get one. Especially with what we saw from Miami this past year, I actually felt that they exceeded expectations um, under Brian Flores in year one. So I kind of think if you're adding more talent to this team you would expect them to be even better next year, in which case they get farther away from taking one of those potential franchise quarterbacks. So your window is very small. If you've got a chance to take a quarterback now, you almost have to do it. But at the same time, this team has so many needs. So once you take care of the quarterback position, it's best player available because you can use somebody at pretty much every spot on the field, specifically at offensive tackle, since you allowed one pretty good one to leave in free agency a couple years ago. And you traded your left tackle, your young, talented left tackle to the Houston Texans. And I I think when you revisit that trade, um, if Miami were to use one of those picks on the offensive tackle position and that guy did not pan out, then suddenly you're using two picks from that trade to potentially replace the guy that you already had in place and was playing pretty well. So everybody was quick to kind of say, you know, Houston or Miami probably won that deal because of all the picks they got in return. But if those picks don't pan out, then Houston's the one laughing because they've got a pretty good young left tackle, and Miami's still scratching for a couple. That's a good point, uh, Ryan. You had them taking uh, Tua, and then who else did you? Did, yeah, who else you have them getting? Twenty six. Who did they take at twenty six? Zach Bond, the uh, edge rusher slash weak side linebacker at Wisconsin, mixing it up there a little bit, um, getting an edge rusher. But I mean, to Josh's point, they gave it, they got two first rounders for Laramie Tunsil. But if you draft some stiff who can't play offensive tackle. Was it worth it? Same thing with Minka Fitzpatrick. You got the 18th pick. Is, is, is Minka worth the 18th pick if you're the Steelers? Hell yeah. I mean, they got <laughs> they crushed that in retrospect. But um, you know, they didn't want to use Minka the way he thought he should be used, and and here we are. So, but they did win five of the last nine games, so they seem to buy, buy into what Brian Flores was selling. We'll see if that can um, work itself out over the course of a full season. Do you guys think they're going to come away with a quarterback in this draft? It just, I mean, it certainly feels like. This would be the draft board, but could they potentially wait till 2020? Well, here's the thing. If Tua isn't healthy hip wise, then they've stepped in a, a big pile of doo doo because you're rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Some, actually, someone was tweeting me over the weekend about why do you like Tua so much? How come the, the, the Dolphins aren't rolling with Josh Rosen? They did give a second round pick for Josh Rosen over draft weekend last year. And they, it was clear pretty, uh, pretty clear early on that they didn't like Josh Rosen. So that seemed like a wasted pick, uh, a waste of a draft pick. I was happy with letting Josh Rosen play last year, but clearly Brian Flores felt differently, and, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out there, and I don't think he's in their short-term or long-term plans. So then you're rolling Ryan Fitzpatrick for one more year, and, and again, this whole tanking for Trevor nonsense, 
There are going to be 10 teams tanking for Trevor. Not everyone can have Trevor Lawrence next year or Justin Fields. So if you like a quarterback, go get him. And they're just sort of keeping their fingers crossed. I would imagine if the Dolphins, that two is going to be healthy and can play at 98% of what we saw during the course of his career at Alabama. Otherwise, you know, are you taking Justin Herbert at number five? That would, that would seem insane to me. Over Tua or like, or because Tua is just not going to be a, a, a viable NFL quarterback option because that hip just isn't working out. It feels like a lose lose for the Dolphins, right? Like oh, if you pass, if you pass on Tua and like he ends up going to LA and he's awesome or he goes to Carolina, he's awesome. I mean, it, it's a hellscape. And if you draft him and he's just not healthy, it's ideally they would have gone one in 15 and drafted Joe Burrow and no one would give a crap about the rest of the stuff. You wouldn't have to worry about the Tua discussion. This is like almost a worst case for the Dolphins. Like you wouldn't worry about Minka. You weren't, wouldn't worry about Laramie Tunsil. If you were getting Joe Burrow, you'd be like, Oh, I got Joe Burrow on two first round picks. This team is going to win six or seven games next year. Yeah, I don't think you could feel comfortable putting Tua behind that offensive line right now. This is a guy that's got some medical history. We don't know how his hip is going to be this coming year. So are you confident in putting him behind that Miami offensive line and allowing him to run for his life? I mean, I wouldn't be, but I guess that's what we're going to find out from Miami in in the coming months. But um, one little anecdote that I think is something that I'm kind of monitoring is Miami traded Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously a guy that, um, has a lot of versatility, as Ryan said earlier. And, and one guy that kind of I keep coming back to that is in a similar mold is Xavier McKinney, because I actually think he might have the versatility to potentially play cornerback in addition to that nickel role safety. I think he's got great mobility. I could easily see him fulfilling a similar role. So it's going to be interesting to me if Miami turns around and takes a guy like Xavier McKinney to fill uh, that similar role, especially with number 18 after you – um, you know, got it from Pittsburgh. So I think that would be kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, Bills, unless you want to keep talking about the Dolphins, right? No, go ahead. Uh, Bills, what, uh, what would you say is their most glaring need? You had them taken, God, hard to believe. So the Bills and the Patriots are back to back in the NFL draft. Didn't see that coming before the season. Um, Bills, most glaring need. You have them taking an edge rusher in Terrell Lewis. I think I could argue that wide receiver is a big spot for them too. Uh, yeah, what's that? Huge wide receiver is, yeah. Um, did you contemplate giving them a wide receiver at 22 instead? Yeah, I mean, I've done – this is literally my 24th draft. I've given them a lot of wide receivers over the course of those 24 mock drafts. So I've switched it up, given them an edge rusher. Shaq Lawson um, is headed for free agency. Um, they do need some some help off the edge. Their defense is really good. We know that with um, Sean McDermott coaching them up. But um, I think wide receiver and, and uh, edge rusher are a good place to start, at least in the first round. And, um, you know, get Josh Allen as many weapons as possible. Do you want to get another running back? You could think about that maybe in, in later rounds. I don't think Frank Gore's going to play again, uh, at least in Buffalo. Um, but, uh, Singletary was really good. And, and is he an every down back? Actually, he probably could be, but, but if you could have a chance to get one of those top five running backs in the first 50 picks, that's something also else to, something else to also consider as you try to, you know, make this offense work around Josh Allen. Uh, over under three and a half wide receivers, Josh, that go before the Bills pick at 22. That's a good prop. I actually really like that a lot because I think you're, you're sitting there at three or four. Um, because of the strengths at other position, I would probably lean towards the under. Yeah. Um, I think there's a chance that even Ruggs would still be on the board when Buffalo gets there. I think he's a great fit for Denver. I'd love to see him with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant down there. Um, I keep projecting him to the, to the Broncos, but um, Buffalo clearly needs a wide receiver. That's no secret. And I think probably, I don't want to speak for Ryan, but one thing that I kind of go through each week 
is you get to the Bills pick. Obviously, you've got the Eagles right in front of them that also need a wide receiver. Um, it gets to the point where is the talent worth the pick? Because I get past those three wide receivers, and then I'm looking at the board, and I'm saying some of these other guys, you know, they're not a wide receiver, obviously, but it's a better value for Buffalo to take him at this spot than to reach for maybe the next guy on the wide receiver mark. Um, so I'm starting to toss around the idea of maybe Buffalo – considers trading up for a guy like cd lamb or jerry judy or henry ruggs if they start slipping i i got no problem with that i know that um by the way last time we traded up in a deep wide receiver class sammy watkins got my guy sammy watkins that's right for over odell beckham although it turns out mike evans is the only good wide receiver from that class that was taken the first round right is that is that how is that where we're at where odell beckham's just not that great somehow um no we become a benjamin stinks Brandon Cooks is like whatever. Yeah, Benjamin, we don't know if he stinks or not. He was probably crushing it on the on the um, pickup lot last season. The, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you mean like like he's a good Uber driver? Is that what you're saying? No, you know, playing with the the high school kids out there at the at the field on Saturday morning, he was probably um, up some numbers. Well, I know like Chris Trapasso, our colleague, had T Higgins as his wide receiver one, which is a little surprising. Um, uh, what, how many guys in this class do you got, do you, each of you think is worth a first round pick? Um, like I assume, I mean, like Judy, Jerry Judy and CD Lamb, Judy out of Alabama, Lamb out of Oklahoma. I think everybody agrees those are guys are elite wide receivers, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, the interesting how- thing is neither one of those guys may run particularly fast at the combine. We'll see, but there are a lot of guys that are going to run. Four three stuff that's going to get people talking. Well, so who else? Do you have anybody else in that group of them? Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins. Like, how does that first round group look to you guys? For me, it's Judy and Lamb first, and again, I want to see how they run. But after that, it's Henry Ruggs. I want to see if Laviska Chenault's going to be healthy because we just haven't seen him healthy, and I want to see how fast he runs. But that's like that's it. I think there are three first round talents, and other guys are like second round picks and second third round picks. But this class is so deep that I I don't think you need to reach for. For wide receiver in the first round, if you're willing to circle back and, and Josh sort of touched on this, fill other needs because there aren't as many edge rushers in this draft class or safeties or, or offensive tackles. But um, so I think it's Judy Lamb and, and then Ruggs is sort of level two, but also a first round pick. And then after that, I have some questions that, for the most part, have a lot of these guys dropping in round two for me. Yeah, I kind of have the similar view as Ryan. I would put those three firmly in the first-round mix. I think you probably throw Chenault in there depending on which team drafts him because he is a little bit of a unique talent. He's a guy that is tremendous after the catch, um, maybe is a little bit more raw compared to some of these other guys with uh, you know some of the other the downfield options that you would be looking for from that position. But Justin Jefferson, I keep coming back to him as a guy with great body control. Mm. Uh, able to go up and make catches down the field. I don't know that I would say he's firmly in round one, but beyond the Henry Ruggs, the C.D. Lamb, the Jerry Judys, I would say he's probably in that next group for me simply because of the upside that he has. And then Chenault would obviously be in that group, and T. Higgins would be the sixth. But I have concerns about his medical history as well because it seemed like he accumulated a little knack, uh, you know, a little nick, a little knack every single week that we saw him in the college football season. So are you comfortable – throwing him out there, especially in a kind of a, a colder climate that he would be dealing with in Buffalo. I'm not sure that he's a guy that, that Buffalo could really take a chance on in the first round. Fair enough. Uh, lastly, the Jets. What is the uh, most glaring need for you, Ryan, when you look at the New York Jets? 
Well, do you want to protect Sam Darnold? Because offensive tackle might be something you would be interested in. Um, or what if you just let Sam Darnold get beaten into a bloody pulp? <laughs> then you should draft a quarterback uh, <laughs> at number 11. So you have something to put in there. Um, their defense is actually really good with um, crazy goatee Greg Williams uh, with his dark uh, dark rim sunglasses. Um, so, I, I mean, but you still need help at cornerback. You get an edge rusher. I think their leading edge rusher was, um, uh, what was his name? It's a linebacker who's in the final year of his deal. And that's why I had them taking uh, Jordan Jenkins. He had eight sacks last year. Um, that's why I had him taking um, Chase on at LSU, which is sort of a, a a different pick for me. Usually I have them taking an offensive tackle and, and even a wide receiver because wide receiver is also a need. Robbie Anderson, we know, is about to hit free agency unless they do something about that. So I think those are the primary needs. Again, how close are they to competing with the Patriots? I feel like not very close. But if you get an offensive tackle, uh, a running back, and, and, and an edge rusher, and your first three selections, um, you know, you're in, going in the right direction. Yeah, I would say offensive tackle is, is – I would put pretty good odds that New York is going to take an offensive tackle with that first pick at, at number 11 because Sam protecting Sam Darnold is your biggest objective for this offseason. I think back to Joe Douglas last year in Philadelphia. They had a left tackle. They had a right tackle. Both were pretty good players. And then who did they take in the first round – Andre Dillard, another offensive tackle. So they took a backup in the first round, knowing that this was going to be a, an important position for them, especially to keep their quarterback healthy. So I would see them applying a similar line of thought as uh, as the general manager this year for the Jets. I think offensive tackle is is going to be a slam dunk for the Jets as we approach the draft in April. Who uh, who would you be looking at at that eleven spot if you're if you're the, if you're the Jets in terms of names that might make sense? We mentioned uh, Mackie Becton or Mackay Becton, I guess. Who else would you? Uh, who else would you see? Andrew Thomas from Georgia would be another guy at the offensive tackle position. Obviously, Tristan Works from Iowa. Who, um, you know, and, and we mention all these names, but there's so many teams that could take these guys: Arizona, Jacksonville, um, the Giants. I mean, there's a ton of teams in need for an offensive tackle, and I think that's why you hear so many mention in connection. I didn't even mention Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Um, there's four guys that could go early, including Becton. We've started to hear Josh Jones from Houston being mentioned in that top group, but I, I think it's a little bit too early for him. Um, so I would say probably those four offensive tackles would be the names that that I look for. And then if it starts getting a little close, if a couple offensive tackles go off the board, maybe the Jets kind of look up and they start exploring their options to trade up and, and secure one of those offensive tackles as well. I don't mind that at all. Um, all right. Anything else to add on the Jets? You had them taking uh... – Who'd you have to take, Ryan? Uh, Chase on? Clavon Chase on out of LSU. Edge rusher. I have it. I have it. Rhyme like that. You can change your name. Uh, let me see. Historically, I've had them taking. Wilson Brinson. Uh, what? Uh, it's not really rhyme. Just carry on. Keep going. Oh, yep. Let me see. Uh, let's see. It's Chase on. I've had them taking Andrew Thomas in the previous mock drafts, Tristan Wirfs, and then Jerry Judy. And even Isaiah Simmons recently. So, yeah, it spans the gamut, but I think Josh is right. Offensive tackle obviously makes sense for um, crazy taco eyes Adam Gase to protect Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, I agree. All right. Uh, good stuff. Good draft talk. Good AFC talk. We'll be ripping through the rest of the divisions. We have ten more mock draft Mondays to do. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, is that is that not many or is that a lot? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you've already done 23, 24, it's a lot. <laughs> how, long, how many mocks are you deep on here, Josh? 
Oh, that's a good question. I haven't actually taken the time like Ryan did. I started middle of September, so that's probably like 2021, 20, somewhere in there. There. He's not far behind if he's not. At- Let me, after like, at least like during the season, like there's enough stuff going on on a Saturday where you can like adjust it and like change up what you're kind of thinking about it. And maybe, you know, like nobody's like examining each pick and, you know, like the, I feel like in the offseason, you're like, but at this point, you guys have done so many, you're also just already hit mock draft fatigue. Like, I usually don't get mock draft fatigue until like early April. And you guys are sitting here on like the second week in February, and you're like, I can't deal with another mock draft. Well, the worst part is that there's no free agency yet, so nothing's changed. So then you have to start making, making up trades in order to make things. Cause otherwise, I mean, I've had players go to the same team. Like, I love LaVisca Chanel going to the Bills, but I mean, I can't do that 24 times. I think it makes sense. On some level, but I mean, yeah. So free agency will be here in a few weeks. Maybe some uh, some teams will do some trades this week and mix things up. Otherwise, I'll be forced to have the Bengals trade out of the first pick uh, ahead of next week's. Oh, I would I would venture a guess that like eighty eight percent of all your mock drafts thus far will be rendered completely uh, null and void by free agency. Yep, that's right. Except you know, for- everything you're doing is completely worthless. So you remember that. What if the Bengals sign Tom Brady? Are they still taking Joe Burrow? That maybe. I still I don't think it's off the table. Um Bengals signing Tom Brady, that'd be fun. By the way, go check out Pick Six Pod on uh Instagram and Twitter. We did uh we did a uh we had the Tom Brady going to every single NFL team. We send it in Madden to see what would happen. The results are, dare I say, hilarious. Uh Ryan Wilson, Josh Edwards, great stuff. Follow Josh Edwards on Twitter at Josh Edward CBS or Edward CBS. Jay Edward. Jay Edward CBS. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to have the, you got to figure out, like, that's the thing is Ryan Wilson. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Ryan Wilson underscore 07 slash XFL. And then he it just went. <laughs> uh, the nice thing is you add CBS, you can do whatever you want. Um, anyway, I'm going on about nothing, which is what the show has become. Talk to you guys soon. Great stuff as always. We'll be back uh, this week with tons of shows. Subscribe, rate, and review. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.